0: What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Sports am OK Davis here with you. I hope you are doing well, getting ready for another weekend of NFL playoffs. We'll talk about that and give you my gut check picks. We'll talk Australian Open and some National Basketball Association. But first, I want to start with one of the feel-good stories recently that... Um, you know, it's funny, there's always a time when you grow up and there's a player that you like on your team right and I think about you know the hurt when John Wall was traded and you feel for the player and as a fan and for me as an employee as well, you know, I was with the Wizards before he got there, but I have been with him since the draft. But they, he's not the only one, you know. Wasn't cool when Karam was traded, JaVel McGee was traded, Nick Young, Gilbert, like J- Antoine James said, like it's just, there are more players that that happens to. When you're a fan of a team, You know, and I imagine for the the younger fan who doesn't understand it, like a mom or dad having to explain to their son, hey, your favorite player is no longer on your team. And that can be sad. But I always hope that at some point, at the end of a player's career, if that happens, that it would be cool for them to come back. And that's happening with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Andrew McCutcheon, uh, who grew up as a Pittsburgh Pirate. You know, he was drafted by the Pirates and left. And now he's coming back. And it's really cool to see Um Andrew McCutcheon said, quote, there's not one specific word that I can put into describing the euphoric feeling that I have. I'm just thankful. Uh, and. I, I'm not a Pittsburgh Pirates fan that grew up watching them. And I lived in D.C., when Andrew McCutcheon was drafted, I believe, or I might have actually been at the University of Pittsburgh in, in reality. I might have been, um, which is crazy because I didn't think, you know, to look up his numbers per se and try to remember, oh, when did he play for the Pittsburgh Pirates? And he's had quite a career. In my mind, um, it really was about, um, he debuted in 2009. So I was gone from University of Pittsburgh at that time. But like they were a resurgent team. And I felt like they were like the little engine that could. And they still kind of are. You know, they'll have some good years. They'll have some bad years. But Andrew McCutcheon was a part of some really good years for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And to see him come back, it's just really cool. I mean, especially if you think of the that young fan who was, you know, maybe around age 10 when... Andrew McCutcheon was there and they were playing really well. Um, and, and not and look, I'm not saying that they were great. I'm not gonna go there. But there were some years, you know, twenty thirteen they won ninety four games, twenty twelve and a loss in the N L D S. Like three straight years they went to uh, the playoffs. And Andrew McCutcheon was at the center for that. So there's a a, a euphoria that is really cool to when that story broke that he was coming back and, you know, there's all of the news about him being there. And I say that to say, um, no, because of what I know what happened in Washington, I don't want that to, I really don't want John Wall to come back. I don't think. The ownership group and the front office deserves to have John Wall make it feel good. But then at the same time, it's like, but Gilbert Arenas came back to the Wizards this year. And you forget about the past. And you say, okay, let's forgive each other. And let's move on. And maybe someday, just like I was cool that Gilbert was able to come back, even though management didn't want anything to do with him after the incident with the guns in the locker room and Javaris Crittenden. Um, but I know that there was an excitement in DC when he returned along with Karan and Antoine Jameson, and they're wearing the throwback jerseys, um, and so when any player signs that one-day contract or plays one last season back with their team um I hope that they can that that actually happens. And so then I started to think about okay, what player would I want to see come back to their team for that final season? Um and I don't see it happening, but maybe it will. Um, in the National Football League, I'd say the Patriots and Tom Brady. I think the euphoria, if Tom Brady ever said, hey, I'm going to come back and play one last season Uh, for the Patriots. I think that's the big one there. In the NBA, you know, of course, in my mind, uh, being from D.C., I'm thinking about the Washington Wizards. And, And maybe in reality, what would be something I should do is is to say, okay, let me just focus on the D.C. teams and I'll give you a little bit of both. So in the NFL, I would say Tom Brady uh, overall. But if I said for the Washington football team, who would I want to see come back? Boy, that's a tough one. Because as I thought about it, or rather thinking about it just now... um, I don't know if I want to have Kirk Cousins come back. If there's, But there really isn't another player of note that I think would have that kind of stature or excitement around a player returning to Washington that left. I really don't. I really don't know if I can see that. But as I'm looking at the, if I switch to the NBA, um, I'd probably say one of the big ones might be Derrick Rose returning to the Bulls. Um, Because I'm also thinking about one that didn't happen. Because of course LeBron James came up in my mind thinking of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But he did that already. Right? He came back. After he left. Um, and when I saw the love. That Chicago had for Derrick Rose. When he came back with the New York Knicks this season. Like that's love. And so. The funny thing is. it I really thought of two. Uh, point guards. Uh, Derrick Rose. And the. Second one being Chris Paul back to New Orleans. Now, they don't necessarily need Chris Paul in New Orleans. They're doing very well. And I can't imagine Chris Paul and Alvarado getting along. But um, those are the two I was thinking of. And so if I had to pick one or the other, I would say Derrick Rose returning back to Chicago would be it. Um, As I already mentioned, Andrew McCutcheon's in baseball, and I don't pay attention enough to the NHL. And even if I wanted to say Washington, the one player that is still there, and so I hope he never leaves and retires, a Washington capital is Alex Ovechkin. So that's that. But I wish it never happened that he had to leave. But if John Wall were to come back to Washington, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it'd have to be with Bradley Beal. And I don't know if Bradley Beal is going to be a Washington wizard by the, the end of the trade deadline. I don't know if he will be. There are a lot of teams in the NBA, as I will get to later, that I think it may be time to break it up. Um... And, uh, before I transition to breaking it up in terms of teams, I want to address something that happened last night in the Lakers Grizzlies games. Like now, yes, there was a lot of trash talk. Uh, there were videos where you could hear John Morant telling Shannon Sharp. And let let me say this. Okay. So I get on, I, I went to an NBA game last night. And I got to see Kyrie Irving with some uh, good friends playing against the Utah Jazz. And uh, Kyrie Irving was on fire. 48 points, season high. It was great to watch. Big fan of Jordan Clarkson. Um, And I like what Utah was doing in the beginning of the season. They seemed to fall off, and I don't understand why. But then after the game... I'm checking my phone and I see Shannon Sharp is trending and John Moran and Steven Adams, University of Pittsburgh. I always say that. And I start reading everything and Shannon Sharp got into it. Steven Adams Adams trying to protect his players. um, Dylan Brooks and John Moran. So he gets into it with Shannon Sharp. Then T Moran, John Moran's dad, gets into it with Shannon Sharp. And so I wanted to kind of see what happened. It all play out. And then I see video of John Morant telling Shannon Sharp to sit your ass down. So there was a lot of drama before halftime or at halftime in L.A. And tempers flare. I get it. Luckily, there were no punches thrown. It was weird to see an NBA referee in there breaking up the the fight. Um, or excuse me, the the... Kerfuffle, to to use a crazy word. It was not a fight. Forgive me, forgive me. Um, But I also feel like, yes, there are double standards in the world when it comes to what celebrities or dignitaries, politicians, athletes, uh, on their personalities can do. And I think that you know, all the jokes about, oh, well, the ratings are going to go up on undisputed. Eh, maybe they might. But I don't think as someone in the television profession, you should be getting into such a public shouting match almost with the whole team. Pushing and shoving, I think, is... is Granted, Shannon Sharp didn't cause all the pushing and shoving, but when he's telling Dylan Brooks, come over here, you know, say it to my face, come over here. You know, and all the other stuff you see going on and in the videos and and seeing how many people were involved, to me, that was just a little bit irresponsible. Now, I know he's a former player, and that kind of changes, and I'm talking about Shannon Sharp, changes... That, you know, I think maybe he feels there's a different level of what his connection is to professional athletes. And I'll give him that leeway. But I'd like to see him be a little bit more responsible now that he is a journalist. And I also think that if that was any fan, you would have been kicked out. You would not have been able to stay and and enjoy the rest of the game. And so I think the NBA has a real issue because what you could, it's okay for somebody like Shannon Sharp to do that to NBA players. No, he should not be talking and talking trash loudly and making such a big scene on an NBA court. I think that the NBA, it's very important for them to say, Hey, we need to, we need to figure out a way to fix this. Part of it is addressing it with Shannon Sharpay. Hey, can we not? Can you not do that with players? Because you're setting an example that this is on a very small level. Very small level. Who's to say that this couldn't have escalated into the malice at the palace? if a fan from farther up in the stand threw something and it hit Steven Adams and maybe he didn't know it wasn't related to Shannon. Sharp. I, I mean, there's just so many ways that it can go wrong. And I don't like to see that in the game. I don't like to see that. And I hope we never see it again. And Shannon Sharp, I'm curious what he will say in the aftermath, but he's, He's got to know better. You shouldn't be involving referees and security uh, intervening in a confrontation like this. You just, you just shouldn't. And Shannon Sharp said, he did a brief interview with ESPN, quote, they didn't want this smoke, Dave. They do all that talking and jockeying and I ain't about that jockeying. It started with Dylan Brooks. I said he was too small to guard LeBron. He said, F me. I said, F you back. He started to come at me and I said, you don't want these problems. And then Jock came out of nowhere talking. He definitely didn't want want these problems. Then the dad came and he obviously didn't want no problems. But I wanted anything they had. Don't let these fools fool you now. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. And I know that they said afterwards, um, T. Morant and Shannon Sharp, you know, dapped up and squashed it. LeBron James said he rides with Shannon 365, 366 on a leap year, quote, so that's my guy. So I always have his back. He's got mine. he can talk with the best of them for sure, end quote. Dylan Brooks said, I ain't talking about that. You can ask him. He's a blogger, whatever he is. I don't really care about all that. Next question. John Morant said, hmm, let me think. Was silent for a few seconds. said, nah, I ain't going to address that. I'm going to let him live today. I simply don't like it. And I don't know if any of us should. That the talk shouldn't be about... The soap opera of what happened. The talk should be about how was Shannon Sharp not taken out of the game, escorted out of the game. That's what it should have been. I mean, amazing the Lakers beat the Grizzlies, and I feel like maybe you could say Shannon Sharp got in their head a little bit. Okay. But I think that was uncalled for. I think that was uncalled for. But as I continue on the NBA and looking at the teams, some teams, it calls for them to to blow it up. Others' teams, I think they should stand pat. And just a few teams that I'm going to talk about here. Chicago Bulls. Talking about bringing Derrick Rose back earlier. I think it might be time to blow it up. It's just not working. And I don't know if because they're both in that guard position, so to speak, with Zach Levine... And DeMar DeRozan. I don't know if it's fair to say that, maybe because Lonzo Ball hasn't quite worked out. Uh Andre Drummond has been on what is fifteen? Vucevic. They're serviceable. They're they're on paper, they look like they should be better than they are. And last year, they were really good. But something is just not right. And when you look at them at 21 and 24, if they're not four or five games over 500 by the time we get to the trade deadline, I think they may be done. Another team in the East, the Toronto Raptors, cannot believe they're 20 and 26. What's going on? they got great young talent and, well, really a lot of young talent. I mean, I was going to say just Scotty Barnes, but OG Ananobi's only 25. Precious Achie- Achua is only 23. I always get his name wrong. Or sometimes I do. There are players on that team Gary Trent Jr. That I thought they had some good young talent. And then mid mid aged veterans and Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam. I mean, Nick Nurse simply can't heal this team. He simply cannot heal this team. And unfortunately, I do feel like Toronto falls... In that category that they might be sellers. They might be sellers. My Washington Wizards. Free beal. That's all I'm saying. It's time to free beal. 19 and 26. Yeah, they had a little run for a little bit. But I don't think that they're going to get there. And considering they're closer to the bottom than the top, Rockets ten and thirty five, Detroit Pistons twelve and thirty six. Washington if there's a time the tank get in the Victor Wimbayama sweepstakes. Trade Beal for a draft pick. Maybe you can convince the Detroit Pistons because they have a lot of young talent that they drafted already. They'll probably Beal wouldn't work there with Detroit. He, he's going to want to go to a contender, so that's just stupid of me to even think that. Uh, maybe the Lakers? The Lakers probably could use Bradley Beal. Put them back with Russ Westbrook again. Could you? I mean, that would be a good team: Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Andy Davis, and LeBron James. Now we are talking playoffs, and the Lakers are the third team from the bottom at twenty-one and twenty-five. So, in the end, I think Washington should trade Bradley Beal and try to get into that Victor Wimbayama sweepstakes. But the funny thing is, when the Wizards had that uh, good run a couple weeks ago, it was like three weeks ago when it started, actually, Bradley Beal wasn't even playing for some of those games. So maybe not. Now, in the West, I had a harder time thinking of who should blow it up. I have just saw the Utah Jazz... And, again, I thought they were a, uh, at the beginning of the season, they looked like a really good young talent. And now I don't, what I saw last night is they are missing a superstar. They've got great building blocks. And I almost wish, you know, you couldn't get in. And Colin Sexton without trading Donovan Mitchell. But they are missing. I didn't feel like they had the player that was can get you that go ahead bucket. Uh marketing and him made some great threes down the stretch. Jordan Clarkson did what he could. I thought that Colin Sexton was missing, and maybe it's a matter of giving him more of an opportunity to try to see if he could be that third guy or the first option. But there was one play when the play broke down for Mark and try to shoot a three. And then he was trying to back down his defender, which I want to say it wasn't Claxton. Man, I can't remember who it was. But Claxton came towards the end and blocked his shot. But you just could tell, no, he, he can't back down a player that way. And you need somebody that can go to the rack. And I also felt like Mike Conley wasn't really um, in the mix. Down the stretch when you could tell on the other side, it was pretty much just Kyrie Irving doing his thing. I mean, 48 points, which actually isn't a good thing, but we know Kevin Durant's hurt. And we know Ben Simmons will not score and will not be that other option. And Seth Curry stepped up big. But the one team that I would say, yeah, it might be time to call it. Well, I mean, they should have, because if you trade Westbrook, as everyone's talked about, that's not really blowing it up, and you're not going to trade Anthony Davis. But I think that it's time for Portland to say, all right, Dame, we're going to give you a shot with a contender. That might be the only one. And what team would that be? Maybe, uh, maybe not the Denver Nuggets. Could you imagine if the New Orleans Pelicans could get him back? How about that, huh? But I don't know if there's another team. I mean, maybe if you said Phoenix, like, okay, Chris Paul, thanks, but we're gonna trade you for Dame Lillard but they probably have to give up like a Cam Johnson and a Miles Bridges so maybe that wouldn't work or shoot maybe it's a DeAndre Ayton what about that DeAndre Ayton to Portland for Dame I don't know if straight up that would work because you'd need another big man possibly maybe Minnesota I mean obviously you'd have to give up a lot, but I feel like Portland's done. That that that's done. And it's it's just time to move on. It's time to move on. Alright, I'm gonna move on too. Uh Australian Open. It has been quite a run for Andy Murray. And he finally lost to Roberto Bautista Agut um and you know i mean this 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 australian open has been interesting if you will um and the thing that I am want to talk about is are we going to see a resurgence in American players? There are four men that have uh, reached the fourth round from the United States. Tommy Paul, J.J. Wolf, Sebastian Korda, and Ben Shelton. And I am really wondering what American including Francis Tifo can they actually make a run like long term can anybody rise to that top 10 and I don't I don't know if they can um these are all players that I feel like okay you almost have to just See how they do. Um, of course, my picks are still alive in Sitsapass and in Iga Swiatek. Stefano Sitsapass moved up to plus five hundred, just behind Novak Djokovic, to win the Australian Open on the men's side. But then also uh, Sebastian Quarter. As I mentioned, a USA player. He's at plus 750. I imagine nobody expected him to be there. Tommy Paul, another US player, is at plus these 65 to 1. Ben Shelton's 80 to 1. I mean the likelihood of them winning is slim, but it's still cool to see them still in it. Still in it. And On the women's side, uh, yes. Iga Swiatek is still favored to win it at plus 140. Arnya Sabalenka, plus 500. Jessica Pakula at plus 700. But I'd like to see the Americans make a run. And, And I don't. I'm happy about it. Like, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we, you know, we have more players that are American players that are getting into the fourth round and the quarters and... But none of the players are... Like, I don't know. Like, you know, when you think about the excitement when you have a, a, a big name... None of the players in my mind are are, are big names, if you will. And Francis Tiafo is, you know, and John Isner are probably the biggest names that that just off the top of my head, who do I think of that are American? Francis Tiafo, obviously from DMV, there you go, and John Isner. And I am hoping that, you know these players that it can be sustained. That it's not just, okay, they made a run the Australian Open, but then in the other tournaments in between the Australian and the French Open that we'll continue to see them win. And then also the fact that a lot of Americans had to beat Americans to get to the fourth round. Brooksby lost to Paul. Right? Mo lost to Wolf, Mo. I'm saying his name right. Players are that I realistically, like I think they're making a run, but like I never really heard of them to the point where it's like, oh, watch out for them. And we'll see. On the women's side, we'll see if Jessica Pagula and Coco Goff, who are also going to the fourth round can represent US and and get maybe to the uh, semifinals but I'm gonna root for USA to get there and I was rooting for uh, Francis Tiafo of course um, can't help but root for Francis Tiafo. I loved, again, how he was wearing the Washington Wizards jersey during warm-ups. Um, and, unfortunately, he, is, he lost um, and is not an American left in the tournament, unfortunately. But, you know, maybe he can make a run in Wimbledon. Um, but... Uh, We'll see. No FOMO. We'll see what happens with with the U.S. men and Australian Open. But my picks are still alive, so I'm excited about that. I am also excited about the NFL playoffs, as I imagine you are, right? It took me this long to get to the NFL playoffs. We've got four games, Saturday and Sunday. We've got Jacksonville at Kansas City, New York at Philadelphia, Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco Giants. These games are all really good matchups. Even if they aren't all divisional matchups, they all have some added drama to them. The drama of the upstart Jacksonville Jaguars behind their epic comeback against the overrated Los Angeles Chargers winning 31-30 on a last-second field goal going to Kansas City. This is the game that they have to really prove themselves. And I feel like for Kansas City, they're like, yeah, it's Jacksonville. We'll beat them. And Jacksonville is going to have to really... Come at him and strike early, get an early lead, and then try to clamp down on him. And I don't know if that's possible. After four picks at home, uh, Doug Peterson has done an amazing job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when you've got on the other side, Andy Reid, wonderful that he can now say he's a Super Bowl uh, winning head coach. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that team, This the weapons that they have, Travis Kelsey alone, but the weapons that they have on offense, and they're a pretty good defensive team. I don't necessarily know that I see Jacksonville having a chance in this game. I'm not going to go over my picks just yet. Giants, Philly, it's a divisional game. You know, Giants, Eagles, Let's see what Jalen Hurts can do, if he's going to be as mobile as he probably needs to be in order to have a good game. See what Saquon Gar- Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones do. Uh, but Brian Dayball has done an amazing job in his one season with the Giants. But this divisional matchup, just down 95 a couple of hours, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. The rematch of a couple of weeks ago between Cincinnati and Buffalo, we know that DeMar Hamlin is going to be the, on the minds of Every player on that team. Buffalo Bills are going to be, the emotions will be high. It will be a spirited matchup between these two teams. And I'm sure in many ways that they both will be honoring DeMar Hamlin in some way. If you remember, you had the cardiac arrest in Cincinnati when the Bills were uh, playing that road game. Um, and the game eventually was canceled. And that did affect uh, seeding somewhat. But it was a right decision. But that will be an epic game. And I can imagine DeMar Hamlin is going to be... Um, I could see him being on the field for that game. And then Dallas at San Francisco. That's a classic NFC matchup. Back in the day, if you think about when the 49ers... Um, going all the way back to like Bill Walsh versus Tom Landry... Um, There were some epic matchups between Dallas and San Francisco. New team, new quarterback in Brock Purdy, going up against Dak Prescott, who still has a lot to prove. He still has a lot to prove, and the Dallas Cowboys have a lot to prove. And as I said, I'm always rooting for the NFC East when my Washington team is out, and the Washington football team is definitely out. But wait, should we check again with River Road bon- Ron to make sure? Look, I messed up my whole joke. To make sure they're not in the playoffs, make sure he knows they're not in the playoffs. Because they're not. They're not. All right, let me look at my gut check picks. As we go down the line, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars at plus nine on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to say that the game is going to be closer. But I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs know that they need to come out and make a statement. And the Jaguars, you're looking at the Jaguars and saying, ooh, they're really good because they came back to beat a poorly coached Chargers team. You're not playing the Chargers this week. I'm taking the Chiefs at minus nine, even though it is a playoff game. Giants, Eagles, yes, it is a playoff game, but it's a divisional playoff game. The Eagles are favored at minus seven and a half. I'm gonna take the Giants at plus seven and a half. Um, I think it will be a closer game between these two NFC East powerhouses. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are favored at minus five and a half. I think this game will be closer. I actually feel like the Bengals are playing do I want to say the Bengals are playing better than the Buffalo Bills? I don't think either one of those teams had a great game last week in their playoff game. In many ways, I would say the Bengals got lucky. Baltimore should have won that game. Um, and the fumble returned 98 yards for a touchdown, saved the Bengals. But I do think the game will be closer. So I'm going to take the Bengals at plus five and a half. And then we have the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. While I do think that the 49ers are playing very well, Brock Purdy has surprised everyone in the way he has played. And I think it may, in some ways, might be the end of uh, Lance, Trey Lance in San Francisco. I do think the 49ers are the better team overall. um, But I think the Cowboys... I'm going to take the Cowboys at plus four. I see this game being a three-point game, and those are my picks. we got the Cowboys at plus four, Bengals plus five and a half, Giants plus seven and a half, and the Kansas City Chiefs minus nine, and those are my gut check picks for the NFL playoffs. Enjoy this sports weekend. That's it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamal Gray. Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over/under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport. And PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today.